Do any of you have that one friend, and you know you can talk them into doing something stupid? On our office staff, I am that friend. Uh, one time, Becca, our online campus pastor, brought in some habanero peppers that she grew at home. And I am in my office, working hard, doing a great job, Adam, in my office, and I hear this voice from the hallway, and I hear executive pastor Tim Perkins insinuate that if someone was really from Texas, that they could eat this pepper. Here's the thing. I heard his voice. I knew what was happening. Uh, some context. Uh, Tim, Adam, and I often have this ongoing prank war, and it's all in good fun as long as I'm winning. And this is not one of those days. And I, I hear his voice, and I hear the trap, and I fall for it. Like, I know what's happening, but I'm listening to his voice, and here's what happened. Seeds were a mistake. Uh, See, our friends' voices can be very helpful or very unhelpful, depending on the friend and depending on the situation. And I know there's times where I want to ask my friends what I should do in a certain situation. I know there's often times where when I'm making a big decision, man, I want to hear God's voice. I want to know what does God want me to do here? Uh, We're in our series, The Guide to Every Decision You'll Ever Make in Your Entire Life. And we're talking about what it means for us to follow God's will for our life. A couple weeks ago, we talked about how God's will is for us to be holy. So often it's being holy more important than exactly what decision we make. I mean, that's a part of God's will for our life. It would be holy. Last week, we talked about how God guides through what he provides and what he withholds. That's part of how we know his will for our life. But today we're talking about what it means for the Holy Spirit to prompt us and help us navigate the road ahead. When I think about God's will for our life, and especially the idea of talking to the Holy Spirit and saying, God, what do you want me to do? There's this small story that's found in the book of Acts that I think is really helpful. So we've got this guy named Paul, and Paul's someone whose life was changed by Jesus, and he spends a lot of his time either starting or helping churches around the Mediterranean Sea. And so he's on his way to Jerusalem, and he stops and he discusses his future plans with the church at Ephesus. So these are people that Paul knew, he loved them, he cared about them, and he's just having a conversation about them, about what's next. And here's what we read in Acts chapter 20, verses 22 through 24. Um, and now I am, this is Paul speaking, And now I am bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. I don't know what awaits me, except that the Holy Spirit tells me in city after city, the jail and suffering lie ahead. But my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. And so Paul's talking about what's next for him. And there's kind of two phrases that stick out to me. So we'll throw those up on there. Paul says he is bound by the Spirit to go to Jerusalem. And he says, I don't know what's coming except the Holy Spirit tells me that jail and suffering lie ahead. So when Paul doesn't know the future, he's been really clear, hey, I don't know what's going to happen, but he's bound by the Spirit, and the Holy Spirit tells him some of what's going to happen. What does that mean, right? Well, Paul has been prompted by the Holy Spirit that he is supposed to go to Jerusalem. The idea of being prompted by the Holy Spirit is that idea that as we think, as we pray, that there's a voice in our head that's from God that tells us what to do. We'll talk about that a little bit more later, but Paul, who's been praying, and he's thinking about what's next, feels like God has said he's supposed to go to Jerusalem, and then city after city, jail and suffering lie ahead. And as Paul is wanting to be obedient to God, he feels like he's bound by the Spirit, that because the Holy Spirit has told him to do something, he's going to do it, even if what it leads to isn't what he wants, right? Jail and suffering. A lot of us would avoid suffering when we're given that opportunity, but oftentimes God's will involves pain and suffering. I know we don't think about it, or at least we don't want to think about it sometimes. We think God's will for my life is that I meet the perfect person, fall in love, uh, get the perfect job, and all these things. And God's will for our life sometimes involves pain and suffering. 
And our response is to be obedient, even then. And so Paul, as he's thinking about what's ahead, has felt like God has told him he's supposed to go to Jerusalem, even though it's going to be really difficult. Something I think is really cool, as as we read this, as we think about this, is God cares about Paul and what he was doing with his life. And God cares about you. And God cares about how you make decisions in your life. Like He cares about, as you're deciding where to work, if you work at Cummins or Toyota or Honda, or if you want to change careers. Like He cares about your relationships with your family, with friends, with your boss. Like He cares. And we're invited to ask him for help as we navigate those decisions. Um, there's this idea that Paul's prompted by the Holy Spirit. And I believe that the Holy Spirit will prompt those who love Jesus and help them navigate the road ahead as well. So, who is the Holy Spirit, right? Not what is, but who is the Holy Spirit? Much like my very deep love for Bucky's gas stations and dinosaur-themed Christmas decorations, this one can be a little hard to explain. But the Holy Spirit is God. And the Holy Spirit is a unique person of the Trinity, right? That one's hard to explain. It's kind of hard for us to fully understand sometimes. But we say that we worship a God who is three in one. And I'm not talking like TJ Maxx, shampoo, conditioner, body wash, three-in-one. It's a little different three-in-one here. Uh, I think a better example is water, all right? So let's say we've got this space right here. And in this space, we have water, which is H2O in liquid form. Then you also have ice, which is H2O in a solid form. And you also have H2O gas. And those things have the same essence, but are also distinct from each other. And if we have, in this little space here, we have liquid water, and we have frozen ice, and we have H2O gas, it's a little bit of a picture of the Trinity. God, who is three distinct persons, made of the same essence, still different, but also the same, our God is three in one. That's the Trinity. We have God the Father, Christ the Son, and we have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a unique person, not like a cosmic grab, like gravity force, or like use the force, Luke, but like a distinct person of the Trinity. And the Holy Spirit is also inside all followers of Jesus Christ. Uh, we sang a song right before we come up here. We talk about praise to the Father who gives us the Son, praise to the Spirit who's living in us. It's the idea that when someone chooses to follow Jesus, from that point on, the Holy Spirit is with them. He lives in them, which means they are never abandoned, never left alone without help, without counsel. So the Holy Spirit is inside of all followers of Jesus Christ. And we learn this actually in Romans chapter 8. Romans 8, 11 says, The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Man, the same power, the same Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and cares about you and cares about your decisions. Right? We're invited to talk to the Holy Spirit and ask for help. But before we talk about what that looks like, I want to correct a couple misconceptions sometimes we have about the Holy Spirit. Right? The Holy Spirit is not... A genie in a bottle. If you want to be with me, baby, there's a price to pay. I'm a genie in a bottle, and I want to keep my job. Um, the Holy Spirit is not a genie in a bottle, right? And like the genie bottle is this like, idea from Aladdin that you could control it, and then it would give you what you want. Well, this breaks down, because we've got God, and the Holy Spirit is God. We've got us, and we're down here. And if we treat the Holy Spirit like a genie in the bottle, we take God and we place him down here. And that doesn't work, all right? We don't want to approach God as if we are in control of him. Sometimes I think we accidentally approach the Holy Spirit like we're the ones in charge. Uh, I know I've gotten this wrong, and I've realized it when I realized I was kind of talking to the Holy Spirit like I would talk to Alexa. Hey, Alexa, what's the weather? Hey, Alexa, add that to my shopping list. 
Hey, Alexa, never mind. I don't need that. Right? Hey, God, um, could you please protect me from my bad financial, emotional, or nutritional choices? Hey, God, could you please? And just like kind of talking to God like he's Alexa. Right? I mean, that's not approaching God. Like God's God and we're not. Right? Sometimes we accidentally approach the Holy Spirit like it's a genie in the bottle. Holy Spirit is also not less than God the Father or Jesus Christ. I think it is easier for us to maybe understand the idea of God as Father or Christ the Son than it is to maybe understand the idea of a Holy Spirit. But just because it's easier for us to understand doesn't mean that the Holy Spirit is less than, right? They're equal. The Holy Spirit is also not the only voice in our heads. See, we all have different voices on our heads, all right? I mean, we've got self-talk. It's that internal monologue we have with ourselves. Don't worry, you're not the only crazy person here, right? We've got self-talk, and but we also hear voices from different people we know. Like, I play pickleball with a lady named Mary, and she'll say, no! Pretty much just like that every time I'm about to make a bad choice. And, like, I hear her voice in my head, whether or not I'm playing with her, right? We've got voices in our heads from other people, and I also believe that followers of Jesus have the Holy Spirit, who's with us and prompts us, who nudges us through thoughts on what we're supposed to do with our life. All right? So we know that the Holy Spirit is a unique person of the Trinity, equal with God the Father and Christ the Son, and with us. And also the Holy Spirit is not a genie in a bottle, and the Holy Spirit is not the only voice in our head. So how are we supposed to identify, right, what we're supposed to do with the voices in our heads, right? If we believe the Holy Spirit prompts us, helps us navigate the road ahead, how do we do that? Speaking of roads ahead, like, who likes road trips? Thumbs up, thumbs down. Just give me a quick little thumb up, thumb down. Come on, come on. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, hey, I have I have a strong belief that on a road trip, right, there are clearly defined roles. Whoever's in the driver's seat should drive. Whoever's in the passenger seat should navigate. Whoever's in the back seat should pass out snacks. All right? I, I believe this. Recent family road trips have revealed to me that whoever's in the driver's seat should be me. They should drive. And they should navigate, and the people in the passenger seat and the back seat should take naps and eat snacks, right? (laughs) Cool. And on those road trips, I've had those moments where I'm kind of navigating, hearing a lot of different things at the same time. Like, you've got the GPS that's saying recalculating, and then uh, I've got a wife who gives great but slightly too late help navigating. And then at the same time, I might hear a little voice from the back, cute, tiny, whiny, I want McDonald's. And uh, I just kind of hear all those at the same time. I don't really know what to do. But with the voices in our head, knowing that the Holy Spirit may be one of them, but there are some that certainly are not the Holy Spirit, how are we supposed to respond, right? Well, when we think the Holy Spirit might be speaking to us, prompting us to do something, kind of got this oversimplified three-step process, right? Listen, evaluate, obey. Right? We want to listen to the Holy Spirit. We want to evaluate if it's the Holy Spirit. And then if it is, we want to obey, all right? Listen, evaluate, obey. So here's the first one. Listen. We can ask God for help. And if we do, we should be listening. Has somebody ever asked you a question and then when you go to answer, you realize they've either moved on or they're on their phone and they're not really listening, right? We don't want to do that to God. We want to ask for help, but then we also want to listen. Reminder, okay? God, us, Holy Spirit's up here. So just because we ask God for help does not obligate God to reply to us like a genie in a bottle, but we can ask. And if we ask, we should be ready to listen, 
right? That means being quiet, being patient, and being willing to obey, even if we don't know exactly what God's going to say. Um, and the good news is, even if we don't know what God's going to say, the Holy Spirit is capable of speaking to every single person exactly how they need to hear it at the right time, right? We don't have to be in charge of that, and that's a good thing. I also know that it is possible to ignore the Holy Spirit, right? We can hear God tell us to do something and then think, yeah, but I'm going to and then do something else. I've done that, right? So we want to listen, and then as we listen, we want to listen to make sure it's God's voice. Um, most frequently, when I feel like God has spoken to me, God's done that, the Holy Spirit has done that by bringing to mind a verse Maybe that I had read or studied or heard of before, but it's from the Bible. I wasn't thinking about that in the situation. And then all of a sudden there's this verse that's from God's word that fits the situation perfectly. It's like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. That's what God says in this situation. That's most frequent. Um, Far less frequently, I feel like I've heard God speak a little bit more directly. Give you an example. Uh, A few years ago, I was in a really tough spot. I just lost a job. I was in Texas with family trying to recharge. And I'm spending some time like praying and reading my Bible and just trying to connect with God. And then out of nowhere, I felt like I heard this non-audible, quiet, calm, kind voice that reflected the character and the commands of God. And I felt like I heard God just say, I love you. I'm not a really touchy-feely person, but I really think that was God. And I needed it because I was in a season of my life where I did not feel loved by some of the people who were closest to me. I was hurt, and I think God said that. Just like, he knew exactly what I needed. It wasn't more, it wasn't less. It was just, I love you. It's like, man, and and that changed my week. That may have changed my month, right? Um, It's not always just something that we think in our head. Sometimes we can see it as we see God speak to other people. Um, I've got a friend named Chad. He's one of the elders here. He's good at a lot of things. Uh, One of the things he does professionally is air conditioning repair. And Chad is considered to be very good at his job, and he's also very slow to take credit for it. Something Chad does is he actually prays, and he asks God to help him help people and help companies with their AC problems. And so as he's working, he'll pray. He'll ask God for help. And sometimes, I mean, remember, if God's here, we're here. God does not have to answer. He doesn't hear anything from God. Okay. He does the best he can with his experience and expertise and solves the problems the best of his abilities. And sometimes he'll say, as he prays, he feels like God will just prompt him. There's this idea totally out of left field that doesn't make sense. She's like, hey, fix it this way. And he'll do it, and then it'll work, and it doesn't even make sense. But then he gives God credit. He goes, well, I was praying. I think God told me what to do, so I did it. Man, God cares about Chad. God cares about you. He cares about your job and how you do your job, and you can talk to him. It's like, God, how do I do this? God's not obligated to respond. But we're welcome to ask and to ask God for help. And throwing it out, when we ask God for help or when we ask God for direction, we need to listen. Then evaluate. Listen, evaluate, obey. Second one is evaluate if it's the Holy Spirit. I mentioned earlier the Holy Spirit is not the only voice in our heads, right? Like we can hear a lot of different voices, just like someone on a road trip with different voices in the car. And we can hear God's voice, but also, I mean, we've got our own internal dialogue, just our self-talk. But we've also got, I mean, the voices in our head that come from other people, positive or negative. We've got the voice of experience that says, well, this has happened before. Maybe this will happen again. And we've got crazy intrusive thoughts. Uh, Has anyone else ever had the thought, like, as you leave the house, I wonder if I left the stove on? And you know the stove's not on. But until you go back inside and see with your own eyes the stove is, in fact, off, like, that's all you're going to think about? 
right? We have these intrusive thoughts. That doesn't mean it's God. We got to be really careful that we don't just have a thought and think, oh, well, God said this, right? Crazy people do that, and it can be dangerous for ourselves and for other people if we just take any thought and think it's God. So we need to evaluate. We want to evaluate if this thought might be the Holy Spirit prompting us, or maybe it's one of those other voices. One of the ways we do this is we kind of test what we think might be God against what we know is God. So God's voice in our head will never contradict what God's voice in Scripture has already said, right? Because we know that's God. We think this might be God, so we test it and see how does this hold up. Uh, example, all right? Let's say you are thinking about making a career decision, and you're wanting to know if God has a preference, if we want to put it that way, between you being a mechanical engineer or an electrical engineer. So you think, all right, God, should I do this or that? God might prompt you either way. He might not prompt you at all. Okay. If that's the case, make the best decision you can with the information you have. And if you think God says one or the other, then do that. But if you're thinking, okay, God, and this is absurd, just humor me, uh, should I be a mechanical engineer or should I be an exotic dancer? All right? Uh, well, hey, if you have a voice in your head that says, oh, you should be an exotic dancer, I would be really slow to assume that's God. Because what God's word actually talks about sexual integrity and how we're supposed to live our lives, and that's in contradiction with that thought. So, I mean, making an extreme argument here, but we're not supposed to take this and think, well, this is God. Because it contradicts this, which says, live lives full of sexual integrity, and those don't fit, and we know this is God, so this can't be. Right? We want to evaluate. How does it line up with what we know about God, what God has already said through Scripture? We also want to evaluate and hold up, what is this, how does this fit, really, with what we know about the character of God? A lot of us have voices in our head that say, you are worthless, not enough, a has-been, a mistake. You can fill in the blank. A lot of us have these voices in our heads, and they sound something like that. Those thoughts, at least the ones I mentioned, they stand in very clear contradiction to what God says. God says you're wanted, chosen, loved, not because we're good, but because Jesus loves us, and then God sees us because of Jesus differently, right? So God's voice will not condemn you. Now, God's voice will convict you, right? The Holy Spirit will tell us if a behavior is wrong and we should change it. Yes, but the Holy Spirit says this should be different, not you are, fill in the blank. So God's voice does not contradict God's character. God's voice also doesn't contradict God's voice, all right? Uh, Basically, what I mean is if two people think God told them this and that and they're different, right, at least one, maybe both are wrong. So if you and your spouse are thinking about buying a house and one of you is like, yeah, God said this is the house. And another one says, God said that is not the house. Well, at least one of you, maybe both, are wrong. So in that kind of a situation, right, we want to proceed with caution. We want to listen. We want to take more time, pray, see maybe is God going to clarify something. Uh, Oftentimes taking more time to pray and think about something, maybe God's voice becomes clearer over time. We just know that God's not going to contradict himself. And so if you're in that kind of a situation, proceed with caution, proceed over time, continue to test, continue to evaluate. Here's a toughie, right? Sometimes we don't know, right? Sometimes we really don't know. We know that a voice lines up with God's word and it lines up with his character, but we don't know if it's necessarily God. I hate that because I want to be in control and feel like I'm in control of the situation. Maybe you do too. When we don't know, right, we want to continue to test and evaluate. Something I've found that's helpful is I will just ask God. Say, God, is this you? And I feel like sometimes silence. Sometimes I've heard him say, this is me or this is not me. More frequently, it's that's not me. And then I'll realize and move on. Sometimes we still don't know, right? Another thought, another way we can evaluate is to check our motivations. 
say I'm out to eat and I'm thinking about what I should get between budget-friendly chicken or medium-rare ribeye, and there's this voice in my head that's like, medium-rare, do it, right? Uh, I'm not saying God could not say that, but I'm going to be a lot slower to say this thing that I want to do is, oh, God told me to do that, right? I want to be very cautious about that, so I'm not trying to, like, manipulate God into saying what I want him to say. But if I get chicken or steak, doesn't matter, and the service is garbage, and I don't want to tip well, but there's a voice in my head that says, hey, they need this, right? That's probably not me. That's not what I want to do. I'm more likely to assume, okay, this is probably God telling me to do that, right? We want to check our motivations. Sometimes we still don't know. And when we don't know, and we honestly don't, make the best decision you can with the information you have. Know that God's will for you is to be holy and that he'll guide you by what he provides and what he withholds and you keep going. But when we learn something, we believe this is from God, our responsibility then is to obey, right? We want to listen, we want to evaluate, and then we want to obey the Holy Spirit, right? Um, remember Paul talked about he was bound by the Holy Spirit. God had told him what to do, and at that point he was bound by the Spirit. He needed to do it. He needed to be obedient. And when God tells us to do something, our only option that honors God at that point is to do it. Uh, James 4.17 reminds us. It says, remember, it is sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. Ouch. And that's the thing, right? Once God says to do it, then our responsibility is to obey. Uh, I've heard it said that obedience is God's love language and that we express our love for him by obeying what he's told us to do, right? That's one of the ways we love God. We talk about we want to love God and love people, and part of loving God is being obedient. And so we need to obey the Holy Spirit. I remember one time, it was after work hours, I mean, I was gone for the day, and I felt like I had this voice in my head that said I was supposed to come back to the church and talk to Chad. Now, I didn't really want to come back to the church, I'd already left, and I had no reason to think Chad would be here. Same Chad as earlier, same Chad. And I just felt like, okay, well, this doesn't contradict God's character or God's word or anything like that. I really think this might be God. You know what, worst case scenario is this costs me 10 minutes, and then I go home, and I just feel like that was a little weird. But... I show up here, and Chad's here. So I come inside and talk to Chad. It's like, hey, this is kind of weird, but I think I'm supposed to be here and talk to you. We had a good conversation. Like, it didn't drastically change my life, but it was a good conversation. I'm glad I came back, and I really think God's prompting was, hey, go back, go, go talk to Chad. And I would have missed out on something if I didn't obey. Now, obedience can cost us. I want to be clear, right? Paul knew that suffering and jail was what was coming up, That's what being obedient meant enduring, and that's hard. And I don't think there's ever going to be a time where we are obedient to God, and a thousand years from now, we would regret it. Now, there can be pain and suffering in this life. That's actually a part of it, but I believe our obedience is always worth it. And when we obey God, and there's a blessing of some kind in it, and spiritually speaking, our lives and our faith become richer for it. All right? We want to obey the Holy Spirit. When God tells us to do something, just do it, all right? We want to listen, we want to evaluate, we want to obey, all right? It's three words, I'm going to be obnoxious, 70% of you are going to dislike this, humor me. I'm going to say a word, you're going to say it back. Listen, evaluate, obey. Cool, three words. We can remember those, and it still doesn't do a lot for us unless we do them, and that's hard. I'd love to tell you guys how I got to the ridge. All right, here's how I came to the ridge. I got in my car, 
and I drove here. Thank you. Uh, maybe a different perspective on the same story. I'd love to tell you how I got to the ridge. Um, I was in Arizona, and I was starting to look and apply at different jobs. And that meant cranking out cover letters uh, to whom it may concern, dear pastor, blah, blah, blah. I mean, tons of letters, sending those out, getting some interviews, finding out a lot of them weren't good fits. Either I figured it out or they would frequently tell me as well, right? Long, drawn-out job process until I eventually found myself as the final candidate for three churches. Uh, the Ridge, uh, a church, a big one in Indy, and then one out in Georgia, and I was trying to figure out, what is God's will for my life? Like, how, how do I do this? And so I was asking God, saying, God, would you please tell me? Would you please show me? I was listening. And I didn't have any sort of clear answer or even direction from God. So, okay, I'll keep asking and I'll keep moving forward. And I get to this point where I get a phone call from the church in Georgia. And the pastor there is like, hey, Reed, man, there's nobody else. Like, like we talked to you in the first place. We kind of hunted you down. And we feel like, as we're praying, God said you're supposed to go somewhere else. So I don't know what that means, but... Guess you're supposed to go somewhere else. Okay. I mean, God guides through what he provides and what he withholds. And very clearly, the guy says, hey, we're not going to hire you. Uh, God's withholding that. Not supposed to go there. But the other two churches, I mean, both in Indiana, both great churches that love Jesus. I mean, I could be holy and honor God at either. I still don't know what to do. So I come out here and I have kind of the final in-person interviews at the Ridge. And then I drive up to Indy and have some final conversations with the church there. And I go back to Arizona, and I still don't know. Like, I don't feel like God's told me anything. And I have a conversation with Adam and Tim scheduled over Zoom, where they're very likely going to either offer me the job or say, hey, we're going to go a different direction. And I don't know. And I'm praying. And 10 minutes before the Zoom, as I'm praying, I feel like I really clearly hear God's voice saying that he's going to send me to Columbus, and he's going to use me more in my brokenness in Columbus than he would in my skill or my competency. Um. And it's like, okay, I guess that's where I'm supposed to go. And as I'm trying to evaluate, is that God? It's very easy to think that's a yes, because then Adam and Tim offer me the job. It's like, okay, I guess that was you, God. That's where I'm going. So I come up here, and then I have a period of time in my life. I think brokenness is a great word to describe it. For about five months, some personal situations hit that I had no idea were coming. And out of that, God's used me in a lot of brokenness that I wouldn't have expected and I wouldn't have picked. I mean, that's a longer, drawn-out version, but that's how I got to the ridge. was, okay, listen, evaluate, and then obey, even when it's costly. And God cares about every decision we make. So whether that's with our jobs, whether that's with our families, whether that's with potential families, or maybe our relationships and perspectives and priorities, we can ask God what he wants us to do. We know that God's will is for us to be holy, that he'll guide through what he provides and what he withholds, and also that we can ask and we can believe Not because the Holy Spirit has to, but when we ask and we listen and we evaluate and we obey, that the Holy Spirit will prompt us and help us navigate the road ahead. I'd like to pray for us. God, would you please help? We've got a lot of people in the room and online with different decisions coming up in our lives. So would you help us to come to you with those decisions and ask for help? God, and then would you help us listen? Just to be quiet and actually listen to what you want us to do. As we've got these different voices in our head, help us to evaluate. Help us to know what's your voice and then what's just different thoughts. But when you tell us something, God, would you please help us to follow you, to be obedient, whether it's easy or hard, and then to trust you with the results. We love you. We're grateful for you. And we worship you ahead of time, God, saying that you're good, whether or not you speak how we want you to, saying that we're ready to listen, to evaluate, and obey, 
and in the middle of it and after it, we worship you. Amen.